Alright, so we're in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. You've had 10 minutes, 9 minutes, um, to kind of think about what is Paul saying about the past and the present of the Galatians, of himself, and of the false teachers. And this is just one, the first thing I want to point out is, this is one way for you to engage the Bible. Because I know that just reading through it one time through, we don't get it all the way through. And so if we ask questions of the Bible and try to answer those questions, we start to pull out more and more and more information. Okay, so let's see what we found. I'm going to have my beautiful assistant come on up here. Um, she has much better handwriting than I do. All right, so let's start with the Galatians, okay? What does Paul say about the past for the Galatians? What did they used to be? Elise? Yeah, so in 4 verse 8, we see that you did not know God. Formerly, you did not know God. Good. All right, anything else? Yeah, they were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Good. Hannah? Okay, well, that's, that's a good observation. Um, how can you turn... So it's not necessarily that they were weak and worthless, but that they were turning back to what was weak and worthless, okay? So you're really close, yeah. So Angel, that's actually going to go in the present, okay? Because he's asking them, in the present, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? They're turning back to what is weak and worthless. I know. Angel's always said that her uh, spiritual gift was her handwriting. So. <laughs> All right, so they're turning back to what is weak and worthless, okay? Anything else about the Galatians' past or their present? I'll take Paul past for 200. Okay, so we're moving on to Paul past for 200. What do you got for Paul? Yeah, so Paul preached the gospel to them at first. So in the past, Paul preached the gospel to them. And how did the Galatians respond when Paul preached the gospel to them in the past? Anybody have more there? Hannah? Yeah, it says they received him as an angel of God, or even as Jesus Christ. So they, they received him, we'll leave it with an, as an angel or Jesus. Just put or Jesus, as an angel or Jesus, okay? So, um, yeah, they, that's a good thing, right? They received him as if Jesus Christ himself were talking to them. Okay, so they welcomed him warmly. Do we have anything else about the Galatians and how they received Paul? As Paul talks about his experience with them? I see anything else? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Say one more time. Um, yeah, so what, let's see here, we saw that in verse 12, right? So in verse 12, Paul in the past had become like the uh, Galatians. He had become like the Galatians. Yeah, Ryan? Okay, so in the present, very good, in the present, Paul is afraid his work is in vain. What do you think that means? He's afraid his work is in vain. Elise? 
He's afraid that he did it for nothing. Did he preached the gospel for nothing, right? He's afraid that the Galatians didn't really get it, right? That they're not really Christians. Very good. Anything else we can fill in here, guys? Anything under Paul? What do you think? Yeah, Colin. He's perplexed about how the Galatians are acting. Okay, yeah. So he says, I am perplexed about you, right? I am perplexed about you. He's perplexed about the Galatians. Good. There's more. Anything else, guys? Anything else you see? You're doing a great job. What about when Paul says um, in verse 16... Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Okay, so in the present, what is Paul doing? Paul's telling them the truth, right? And in the present, what does this suggest the Galatians are doing? If Paul's asking this question, would you, sorry, what would you say, Smith? Well, they're treating Paul in such a way that he has to ask the question, am I your enemy, right? So I would say in the present, they're rejecting Paul. In the present, the Galatians are rejecting Paul. Have I become your enemy? Good. How about the false teachers? What do we learn about the false teachers? Uh, Haley, yeah? Okay, so it says the false teachers want to enslave them. Okay, that's more implied, all right, in the top half. Anything else about the false teachers, Elise? Um, they're teaching many false gospels. Okay, where do you see that? Is that in one of these verses here? You, you are right. You are definitely right. Um, I don't necessarily see it explicitly in this passage, but we should definitely put it down because it's true that in the present... They're teaching them a false gospel. Very good. What about verse 17, guys? Take a look at verse 17. What do we learn about the false teachers? They make much of you, but they have purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. Okay, all of that. So we'll just start by saying they make much of you. So let's say they flatter Oh, it's one of those bugs. Yeah, I know. There we saw it's the Michigan stink bug. Okay, so they flatter the Galatians. Um, it says they shut you out. They shut you out. What's yours say? Yep, and that's a really helpful transition. They want to isolate you. Um, yeah, so uh, they, want to, they want Galatians to make much of them. Awesome. All right, 
Let's give our assistant a round of applause. let's look at this, okay? So I want to talk about what are the problems in Galatia, okay? So we have two major problems. Don't focus on the bug. Stop looking at the bug, okay? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'll smash it in there. All right, so the first problem that we see with the Galatians is that they are returning to slavery, Right? Okay, so if you'll look in your Bibles, look back at verses 8 through 11 in that first paragraph, okay? And it says, in the past, which we set up here in the past, they were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Now, what is Paul talking about there? What he's talking about there, he's talking about idols. So in the past, the Galatians were complete pagans, okay? They worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars, the weather, the ocean, okay? They worshipped Um, the elements of the world as if they had spiritual power. Okay, I can't take it anymore. Um, Is the bug still there? It's This this will take extreme self-control, but can you guys like eyes here? And let's, this is important stuff, okay? All right. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. You all saw it anyways, but. All right. So in the past, they were enslaved to idols. And today you could say that we are the same way. We're enslaved to the power of money, the power of uh, influence, the power of greed, the power of sex, okay? And we worship these things and that there is a spiritual power behind these things, a demonic power behind these things, okay? That they aren't just harmless, but they are very harmful. So in the past, the Galatians were complete pagans and worshipped these things, and they were enslaved to them. And what does Paul say about them in the present? Well, in the present, he says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? In other words, Paul's saying, how can you go back to doing the same thing that you used to do? Now, this is crazy, because what are the Galatians doing right now? What's the problem that we've been learning that the Galatians are doing? Are they all worshipping pagan idols? Not anymore. Okay, we've been talking about this for a number of weeks. What are they doing now? What's the problem with the Galatians? They're thinking that believing in Jesus and following God's Old Testament law is what saves them. So Paul says, you used to be pagans. You used to worship idols who aren't gods. And now you're doing the exact same thing. These are people who, in our day, would be people who were reading their Bible every day, people who are going to church every day or every weekend, right? And Paul's saying, you're back in the same slavery. This teaches us a really important point. We can be enslaved by sin just as easily as we can be enslaved by religion. So Paul's saying, you guys were slaves to the pagan gods and pagan idols and to sin, And now you're slaves to your religious ways, to obeying the law and thinking that that's going to save you. And really, you're in the same spot. Now, which do you think is worse? To be enslaved by sin or to be enslaved by religion? Any thoughts on that? What might be worse? 
Well, think about this. The story of the prodigal son. There's a man who has two sons. One of them takes his money, goes out, spends all of his money on prostitutes, on drinking, on wild living. And what happens at the end of the story? He repents and he comes back and he says, I've blown it all. Will you accept me back, right? But he has two sons. He has a second son who stayed there with his father throughout the whole time. This son represents the religious Pharisees of the day. And when the sinful son comes back, the religious son is angry. And he says, I've been here the whole time and you've never thrown a party for me. And he's not reconciled to his father at the end of the day. This is a parable that shows us that actually for those who are enslaved by sin, it's easier to return to Christ than for those who are enslaved by religion. Because those who are enslaved by religion think that they're saved. They think they've got it all figured out, but they don't. Tim Keller says the irreligious person knows he is far away from God, but the religious person does not. So that's a warning for us. It's a good warning that we need to be aware of that we can start to think that the fact that we're reading our Bibles and going to youth group and going to church and saying we're a Christian can actually be more dangerous if we're putting our hope in that to save us than if we were drinking and partying and doing drugs. All right? So um, Paul says, I'm afraid that you aren't Christians at all. I'm afraid that I worked in vain. Okay? So that is... Problem number one, that they've returned to slavery. Problem number two is this idea that they're rejecting Paul. Okay, Paul says that in the past, in the past, you received me as if I was an angel. Okay, they accepted Paul. They did no wrong to him. You did not scorn or despise me. They honored Paul. They accepted him like he was an angel. And when it says in... um, It says in verse 15, For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me. That's Paul's way of saying, you would have done anything for me. You would have done anything for me. But now, what is Paul saying? Now Paul says, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? I'm perplexed about you. So something has changed, right? So what's caused the change? As you read the passage. What's the problem? It's the false teachers, right? The false teachers have caused the change. They've taught them something different. Well, how have they done it? Well, the false teachers have wanted to enslave the Galatians. They've caused the change by flattering the Galatians. You guys know what that word flatter means? In here, in ESV, it says you've made much, they make much of you. To be flattered is to be praised. It's to be told how wonderful you are. To be, what does your translation say again about it? They're enthusiastic about you. They invest a lot of time in you. They're interested in you. Now, you guys all know that if someone invests a lot of time in you, it feels good, right? Right? If they're interested in you, they like what you like, they care about what you care about, they, they spend time investing in you, it, it's exciting, right? It, it makes you feel good about yourself. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. Paul even says in verse 18 that it is good to be made much of for a good purpose. So it's good for someone to invest in you for the right reasons. But he says that these false teachers, they're doing it for no good purpose. They want to shut you out. And Tell us again, Doug, what yours says. Instead, they want to isolate you 
They want. Yeah, they want to isolate you. Who do you think they want to isolate the Galatians from? Who's the guy who keeps telling them that they don't need to follow the law? Paul, right? So these false teachers, they want to isolate the Galatians from Paul. From the guy who, when he came, they would have done anything for him. And now Paul says, have I become your enemy? All right, so they're trying to shut them out, trying to isolate them from Paul. And the reason is because they want the Galatians to make much of themselves. Okay, so they want the church to see that they don't need Paul, but they really need these false teachers. They really need us. Okay, and it's probably because they want the church to start depending on them for their instruction on the Old Testament law, and here's how you really are saved, and you need us here. And the reason they probably did that was because if they could get people to follow them then it would legitimize their own work, their own ministry, and their own salvation. That if we get a bunch of people to follow us, well, then we must be a big deal. We must be doing the right thing. Do you think pastors might fall into that same trap today? Is it possible for pastors and and Christian teachers today to say certain things to make people feel flattered so that in response, they will praise that pastor and say, oh, he's amazing, he's wonderful. What types of things might a pastor do to do that? Any ideas? Tell you that sin is not sin. Yeah. Yeah, tell you that it's okay for you to go live with your boyfriend. It's okay to be a homosexual because that's how God made you. Right? That's one way. Good. Okay, so there's other ways, but there's ways that pastors might flatter their people, tell them that, you know, they really don't need to change. They don't need to do anything different so that you feel happy and comfortable and you like coming to church because you hear things that you like to hear. You're never asked to change or to be different or to do hard things. And in return, that church grows and grows and grows. And that pastor, in addition to getting a bigger paycheck, probably because he's got lots of people in the church, looks good. He's got... He looks very prestigious because he's got a huge church. He must be doing something right. Okay, but that's a problem. That's not what we should be doing, okay? So we should listen to those. um, Okay, oh, whoops, I'm not there yet. Okay. Sorry, guys. So in summary, by flattering the Galatian church, these false teachers have caused them to see Paul as their enemy and have led them to believe that they need to follow the law to be saved And they need these teachers to teach them how to follow the law. So what is Paul's response to all of this? Well, Paul says that he is perplexed by them. He's confused. How are you doing this? I don't get you, right? He says he's in anguish for them. As like a mother giving birth to a baby, he is in anguish for them. And he commands them to do something. What does Paul command them to do? Can you guys find the one command in here? It's in the middle. What does Paul command them to do? Verse 12, right? I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now this might sound kind of funny at first, because isn't that what the false teachers are saying? You've got to be like us. You've got to be like us. 
So Paul says, become as I am. So isn't Paul just doing the same thing as the false teachers? Well, the answer is no, because if you jump down to verse 19, we read, my little children for whom I am in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So Paul's desire is not that they ultimately become like Paul, but that they become like Christ. And Paul wants to be like Christ. So if you need a human example, become like me as I try to become like Christ. Paul's desire is that they become Christ-like. They look like Jesus. Now, do you think it's easy for pastors to do what Paul just did? Paul said, have I become your enemy by teaching you the truth? Paul wants them to know the truth, and in response, they've rejected him. Do you think it's easy for a pastor to come up and say, I want you to know the truth, knowing that you might reject me? No, that's hard, right? But Paul's an example of what honesty and loving honesty looks like in preaching the truth to his people. He would rather they know the truth than that they all think highly of him like these false teachers. So we get two principles from this. We should listen to those who teach the truth, like Paul, not to those who flatter us to get us to follow them. And when we talk to other people, we should honestly speak the truth, not what will make people think well of us and like us. It's tempting to flatter people so that they like us, but if we want to be like Paul and like Christ, we need to teach truth to people, not what just flatters them. Okay, so these are the main principles. I want to ask you a few application questions, and then we're going to finish up here, okay? So discussion questions. Here we go. Who in your life flatters you? Who makes much of you? Think about that for a minute, okay? Who tells you how great of a friend you are, how pretty or handsome you are, how funny you are, how fun to be around you are? Okay? Why do you think they are doing it? Are they trying to make you more like them? Is it possible that they're trying to get you to go along with them, to do what they do, to watch what they watch, to like what they like, or to hate who they hate, or to reject what they reject? Or are they more concerned that you become like Jesus than that they become, than that you become like themselves? Okay, so here's a principle for you. Be careful of those who flatter you. Their sweet words may be leading you away from the gospel and away from Jesus. Be careful of those who make much of you, who want to be on the inside, who, who tell you great things and want you to be, go along with them. They just might be taking you away from Jesus. How about this? Uh, one more principle. Be more concerned that your friends become like Jesus than that they accept you. That's the second principle. Okay. Did I skip something there? Yes, I did. Sorry, guys. Okay, here we go. Second part, think of your closest friends. Are you tempted to flatter them? Are you tempted to tell people how great they are? Are you tempted to flatter them so that they will let you belong to their group or include you in their times together? If so, be careful that you do not flatter people so that they will include you and make much of you. Be more concerned that your friends become like Jesus than that they love and accept you. All right, so those are the principles we're taking away from today. 
So in summary, Christians are oftentimes tempted to follow those who flatter them, and we should listen to those who teach the truth and not those who flatter us just to get us to follow them, and we should honestly speak the truth, not what will make people think well of us and like us. Let's pray that God would do this in our hearts. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul's example, how he had to wrestle through this with the Galatians, and he sets an example for us of of pursuing what is true and right for their sake and not seeking his own good, his own flattering. Help us to do the same. Help us to be wary of those who flatter us, to make us follow and go along with them. And help us to be people who don't flatter other people in order to get them to be our friends, but rather we speak truth to them so that they might come to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, rent to student people. Go, go, go. Go, y'all.